Hey there everyone and welcome to another episode of Shredding the Gnar. On today's episode I speak to Anjay Urbanski, an artist based in Cape Town, South Africa. Anjay is an artist prized for his immaculate, hard-edged abstract art. The clean, precise forms defining it belie its relationship to memory, sensory and spatial encounters, emotions and psychic states which are channeled most often into overlapping colorful geometric shapes, implying resolution. So let's jump right into this episode with Andrzej Urbanski. So my, the relationship between fight sports and art or graffiti was um, in the early 2000s, late 90s, um, that, that scene was quite violent. It's a lot of like uh, gang mentality. Mm-hmm. It's very common that you had fights with other people. Like fight club vibes. I wouldn't say fight club. No. Uh, I would say just you, because you you when you do trains, you are in a kind of like a particular level. Yes. It's a, it's a lot of scouting, a lot of looking what's happening. It's Thank you very much also to my sponsors, Seasick Threads, the best board bags out of Australia, and my associates over at Wavescape. <laughs> Here we are, downtown Cape Town, Woodstock, with the artist himself, Anjay. What a privilege. Nice to meet you. Be able to meet you. Thank you. Lovely to meet you. Thank you and for thank time. you for taking time out to show me your beautiful space. I've been exploring uh, and just stealing with my eyes. <laughs> it's absolutely beautiful because I'll probably never afford one of your beautiful art pieces. You will, you will, you will. <laughs> Let's find out a little bit about your journey in life, how it is that a Polish gentleman like yourself, who is not just, don't look beneath the art. This man is multi talented. It's not just art, so we're going to dig down into all of his interests, loves, likes, and why he's found himself as a Polish gentleman, now an artist in South Africa. Let's rewind. Let's unpack the Andrzej story. Cool. So my name is Andrzej Rabanski, and I'm a full-time artist. Okay, I'm going to have to go a bit closer. No problem. Speak a little bit. Okay, go for it. So my name is Andrzej Rabanski. I'm a full-time artist. Currently, my 11th year in South Africa. Um, I came in 2012 to South Africa during a residency, an art residency, to explore and meet new artists and meet, meet people. And yeah, uh, second time on the African continent, and yeah, fell in love with the country and was very fortunate that um, South African, the South African art scene, uh, liked my work, and um, that's how it kind of slowly developed mm. to create art and be able to live from it. Amazing. So you grew up in Poland? Uh, I grew up in Berlin. Okay. And was always on the move with my parents between Poland and Berlin because it's like three, four hour car drive to back and forth. So every, almost every weekend and all holidays uh, till I was 16, 17, I was uh, in Poland and between. Um, so, I mean, Berlin, Speaks for itself. Creative city, yeah. big influence on yeah. your on your creative path, no doubt. Yeah, to a certain degree, yes, I would say so. On my character, mm-hmm. um, um, a little bit on my work. Um, yeah, I've been uh, very active in the graffiti scene in Berlin. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say for like twelve years, something around that. And um, before that, I've been professional rollerblader. Um, okay, just, let's just stop there. Okay. okay, this is just the one, one of the many 
um, skills that this man possesses. Professional rollerblader. Okay, let's unpack that a little bit. What age were you when you... I started. Yeah. Um, I think around nine. Like, yeah, nine, ten. I got my first pair of skates from my grandparents. I lived in Sweden at the time. I was for, there for a visit in Göteborg. And, um, yeah, I got my first skates. Amazing. And then the journey of skating began and snowboarding at the same time. And at what age were you pro as a, a blader? I th around six, 15, six, 16, yeah, something like that. Wow. Si or six, yeah, 16, 17, something like that, yeah. Incredible. And uh, in terms of your graffiti in Berlin, yeah. are you allowed to tell us what your tag was? I don't really speak about that. Okay. I um, was fortunate enough in those 12 years, never, get, never got busted. Um, got a lot of, got a lot of different actions and a lot of different, um, beautiful, amazing memories from that. Also a couple said, uh, from friends passing on, um, or passing away and, um, yeah, graffiti in Berlin got me to get to know the city better, mainly in the night and a bit of a different lifestyle. Um, yeah. And I'm happy to speak about it, mm -hmm. not about my tag name, about my crew, mm -hmm. um, because we did a lot of things, a lot of damage. Um, and yeah, it was definitely a, a time that um, where I learned about myself, who I am, about trust, trust in other people, creative exploration. Um, and yeah, just get to know my city and the people you hang out with, which mm -hmm. was very big to get to, to get to know myself and responses to people, to different characters. Yeah. Okay. So were there any close calls? Um, to get busted. Yeah. There was a couple, um, I think around three, four, uh, where it was like, we're talking here, hiding for four or five hours, dogs after us, um. Uh, I don't know how many um, Vandal Squad members, but a lot of them chasing us. And we were very lucky on our decision-making because it was very organized what we were doing. Um, it's a very microcosmos kind of world. Yes. Um, I'm very proud that I went through that because it gave me a lot of experience with humans, a lot of experience in, in, with, with the um, tool of the spray can. And uh, yeah, just great memories in winter, in summer, because we have hot summers, which is quite, can be quite taxing on you, but also winters spraying and uh, painting trains, which I was mainly doing, was mainly painting trains. Um, um, yeah, in minus 25 is also not the easiest and very, very, um, yeah, very, very- Tough conditions. Tough conditions, yeah. Amazing. What a journey, hey? You've learned a lot because I dare say there's differences in yes, the spray. very much. And the quality. Yes. And how you use it. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little yeah, bit about that? So um, most of the spray paints um, is produced for the usage on walls or trains. So there's temperatures that, you, that they are able to function in, but there's also a lot of different finishes and different accelerators in the spray paints, uh, which... Um, are important for the accelerator, the, the speed of the paint coming out is important for how fast you can paint. 
and how also um, how good or not good it um, it coats the surface that you're painting on. Interesting. So and there's a lot of different brands. And for my work that I'm doing now, which because I'm not uh, doing spray paint work anymore um, on trains, uh, no graffiti, um, that's very important because there's different drying times, different finishes from gloss to super matte. Like, and it's very interesting what br- all the different brands or the different production um, destinies where the spray paint is coming from. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of different nuances to my work now where I started to value spray paint and the spray can um, in a different kind of um, uh, setting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So again, there's a lot of our viewers that probably don't realize the complexities and the variations and the variables within you know these different spray cans mm-hmm. and how they're produced and how they react to surfaces. Um, is it your singular use that is it is it the only medium that you use for your works now? No, I also use acrylics. Okay, I used to use uh, also oils, but predominantly it's now uh, those three, four different spray paint uh, brands. Okay, uh, one of them that I import, the rest I can get here in South Africa, and uh, acrylics are all kinds of uh, acrylics that I'm using. Um, I mix my own paints as well for an acrylic. Uh, in the acrylic mm-hmm. section spray paints are possible to use but it's a bit of a, a undertaking and we're not doing that i also have I'm quite lucky because i have a range of around four four and a half thousand spray paints here and in total around i would say 800 900 different colors Perfect. and whatever um, i miss i i um, um, mix myself with the acrylics amazing in the last two 11 years that I'm here, almost 11 years. Yes. And 12, 13 years that I'm doing that work, yes. um, spray paint was an extremely durable um, um, material um, and medium to use uh, in a contemporary setting. Yes. Um, I don't need any varnishes on top. Okay. There's a kind of like a, a varnish and certain of the paints mixed in, so That's it's very perfect. durable. And even if you have a varnish, uh, the scratch doesn't, um, the varnish doesn't protect from the scratch. So, I'm keeping record of every single painting that I paint uh, to know exactly if there's a repair or what paint okay. I used so I can um, substitute that or repair it. Do you give it a top coat? Uh, no. So most of the paintings are, um, I would say, 60 to 70% painted two or three times because uh, I paint everything hori- um, horizontal. Um, everything is laying flat in front of me from the start to the, to the, to the, to the end, from like the priming, um, from the, pri- from the priming, uh, the starting point to the painting yes. and if something falls down a hair or while we talk um, something uh, drips in or um, yeah there's all kinds of mistakes that can happen mm. and that's why we have to repeat the painting process very often got you or sometimes even take everything off with turps wow uh, and, while the painting yeah, not the whole painting but certain shapes uh, which is quite uh, yeah quite quite an undertaking uh, time consuming and um, you always there's always a possibility of creating more damage with turps than um, okay. than when you have a painting almost finished. Understood. Okay, so rewinding again back to your your days of, of graffiti, yeah. was the style of your work back then um, is it translated into what it is today in any way? We- At the beginning uh, um, of my art career, I would say there was some elements of that, but I never tried to uh, put like an alias or uh, some kind of. Um, figurative uh, letters next to each other that in a hip-hop uh, um, way would dance next to each other, like a break dance that you put yeah. into 
the um, the letters. Not anymore. There's the, because of the spray paint. Some people see immediately the connection. But if you look uh, at my work um, and it's in it, on its own, and you don't know if it's spray paint on the on the first side, you would not. I would I would assume you would not see immediately that there's some kind of graffiti element. Maybe. Maybe in the shape canvases a little bit, but in the square canvases, not anymore. Like okay. It's 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 about texture. It's about um, uh, transparency. It's about geometric uh, compositions, uh, all kinds of different references, influences from uh, architecture, fashion, um, nature. Yeah, other artists, obviously, mm-hmm. um, historically, um, a lot of artists that influenced me. But um, to answer your question, um, I wouldn't say that there's any kind of direct connection except the tool okay. which I'm very proud of because I was able to um, extract that tool from graffiti and uh, implement it in a kind of contemporary way yes. on canvas it's old master's medium it's a mo- movable canvas so it's stretched prepared primed uh, mm-hmm. a couple times to make it smooth etc and then uh, yeah we try to um, create some magic on top of it and that you do and yes. that you do uh, what would you how would you how would you categorize this art cubism um, so I value cubism very much, but I think um, uh, historically seen, it's not anymore cubism. It's more like um, hard edge um, color field paintings. Um, I also do sculptures, um, and yeah, I, I really um, I'm really drawn um, to explore uh, beyond the square. So that's why I do the shape canvases where I explode uh, and try to kind of break the the norm because everything around us uh, around us is square mm-hmm. windows doors books screens cars everything has a kind of like a squarey uh, square form um, and I'm trying to yeah work out of that mm-hmm. just to expand the, the, the mind that was the initial yes. uh, thought 10 years ago 11 years ago with time there's a lot of different ideas that uh, emerged and um, started to develop sure. like the sculpture so first square paintings then the shaped canvases, which at the beginning we had only like five, six, seven corners. Now we're working sometimes up to like a hundred or ninety corners, <laughs> and angles, and um, and then Incredible. and then the uh, evolution from the shaped canvas is like um, is basically the um, the sculpture, the three D, uh, the three D um, approach, mm-hmm. which I did in the old days, but um, not in that intricacy that I'm doing it now. Now we have very, very intricate. Um, um, sculptures mm-hmm. uh, up to two or three meter high um, out of stainless steel and slowly an evolution of that. Yeah, I'll flash one up on the screen here, but um, some of the uh, sculptures are absolutely mind-blowing in terms of just their size. Uh, the biggest one that you showed me around the corner weighs how much? It's around 800 kilo. Almost. 800 kilograms. And so you, you need a crane to hold yeah. it up. Basically. Yeah, that's 3.2 meter high. By approximately 160, 170 wide. Yes. Um, yeah, we need a proper truck and uh, a lot of uh, new things we had to learn logistically. I'm sure. Uh, moving. Um, yeah. Yes. In terms of not not damaging it. And yeah, that's 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 a, that's a big factor. Uh, sculpture da- um, damage. Um, yeah. But I have a good team, um, and we open for any t- task <laughs> or any. I'm sure you anything. prepared. So let's just okay. So when we're talking about um, Anjay's art, yeah, it's not it's not just him sitting there with a, a ruler and a pencil and just he 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 opened up uh, his laptop and he showed me a program um, where he actually sits and devises and develops and 
and forms these shapes and and every shape that you see uh is um what's the word i'm looking for predetermined yeah it's predetermined it's purposeful it has a purpose it's there for a reason and you're trying to convey a message within that piece yeah. right and something that you've um you know we talk about the color differentiations and he's doing a series now where there's colors that maybe an animal would see mm-hmm. and not us as a, the human eye but just to explain your design process could we maybe sure chat about that um so in the old days i used to have a lot of folders so i used to like um collect photographs or um, quick snapshots or um, anything i found on the internet um but it was such a big archive and so much and everything was everywhere that um it was quite a difficult time to go through it and then um take the reference and figure out what i can do out of that in the sketch in the in the sketch but uh, with time i said whatever stays in my mind the next couple of days this is what i'm going to emphasize on and um work with what stayed in my head the color scheme or a particular architecture or some african garment i saw on someone or just uh, nature whatever it is um sometimes fashion and um yeah um sorry i forgot the question <laughs> no problems uh, uh explaining the design process yeah so um if something captures me um i try to immediately the next morning or so to emphasize on that um not any more go back to the archive just a couple of snippets that i have um may it be the architecture or um, sometimes just a mountain view um and i try to emphasize on on the influence sometimes it's also different artist mm-hmm. maybe in fashion or uh, sometimes it's music or an album cover mm-hmm. or sometimes it's a different uh, painter or sculptor um it's a subliminal nuance that you yeah. that sticks with you yeah it, it it sticks there and it's very it's very it it, it sparks an initial uh, intention and from that intention it develops so in the end you don't see anymore the influence mm-hmm. um but it does have something inside me um that um creates what it creates and i use uh, um as a, as a, as the as the main aspect of my work i'm trying to use um the um current technology okay. which is the program and the the, the laptop the computer to create digital artwork but in the end uh, it has it has some kind of limitation and i'm trying to i'm trying i'm actually creating that work that i sketched out and 100% handmade on okay. canvas or in sculpture and stainless steel form and um because i believe that um the the concept has an end mm-hmm. so for me um the concept has to translate now into an uh, um, artistic creation yes and it's painting sculpture um yeah and i create digital sketches of all my works calculated digital yes. sketches yes. they change sometimes during painting as well um but i would say 80 to 90% they pretty predetermined um and yeah it's um yeah it's a lot of sketches for each exhibition i would say between 2 to 300 different sketches mm-hmm. sometimes even more depends on the size and on the inf- inf- um, inspiration and influence on on uh, on my on my brain um but then the selection starts and then as soon as you select you start to like emphasize on certain color schemes or certain ideas and you have sometimes of one canvas 
or one painting that you uh, that you see in the studio, twenty or ten different uh, sketches before that, mm. which is quite cool because it creates a pool or repertoire of um, of um, sketches that you can emphasize or create in the future. Play off, play off. Sometimes yes. too, uh, the, like for example, the the red painting behind us. Uh, I had to I have to sketch for the last three 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 to four years. And I never painted that. And now I said, okay, it's somehow time. It makes sense for the mm. new exhibition um, to play with the monochromatic kind of, uh, um, yeah. Color field. Color field, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it's so very interesting, hey? Um, you speak about tech and the use of tech and how you can translate it and use it to, you know, mm. benefit your vision. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the NFT space? Oh, good question. <laughs> Um, the reason I ask yeah. is because you've got all these digital yeah. visual references. Um, is there? I'll ask you outright. Have you not thought about taking? I those? thought I thought about it for two or three years, but um, it's kind of it's understandable for uh, the profit side. Mm. Makes absolute sense also to uh, evolve with um, with time mm -hmm. and look into the future. But at the same time, I'm thinking. I understand there's a lot of work going into uh, NFTs and creation mm -hmm. of the artwork, digital artwork. But at the same time, my idea was always to create something handmade, something tangible, something um, where the craft uh, of creating a, a shaped canvas, yes. uh, of creating the frame around, which is, I work with a lot of people who put a lot of thought into things and there's a lot of engineering, uh, which, not, which is not visible immediately, but... Uh, just the frames around my uh, canvases, which are created by Jean Fugus. Um, his artist name is Roy Wolf Studios. Um, just what we went through the last 10 years, that's a memory, that's an experience, that's a story worth telling. Same for the canvas makers, same for creating the sculptures. There's a lot of the welding, um, there's a lot of nuances that I don't see happening in NFTs. NFTs can't give me that. Mm -hmm. And also, it's a bit of my background. Like sure. uh, my grandfather was an engineer. Uh, my, my father is an extremely handyman. Um, um, can do everything around the house, build stuff. Uh, like it's unbelievable. And all of that is a big aspect for me. The kind of making process. Making. Yes. Um, yes. I'd asked. I, I was asked before, and I thought about creating NFTs of my works, but it would go backwards again for me because I'm trying to extract out of the digital technological mm -hmm. kind of side into uh, a t tangible artwork, and going back there would be a little bit too easy for me. Mm -hmm. Not taking away any anything from the from the creating of digital artworks, which I also admire and like to look at, but. Um, it would speak a little bit about my con against one of my concepts. Yeah, and the amount of energy, the emotional um, uh, trade-off as well, yeah. which goes into it. Um, if it doesn't feel right, yeah. it, it's just not something that if the time is right, yes. then... I'm not saying no. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm just saying everything has its uh, time, space, and um, and maybe in 10 years, maybe in two years, I don't know. Currently, I don't, I don't see that happening for okay. me. What I, is, I follow it yes. and I look at it yes. and I'm always kind of, I would say, inform myself about it and have conversations with my wife. With, uh, yeah, it's a curious space. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Let's ask this question. What is your, 
What would you say in terms of your career as as an artist, as as a human? What is what is your your highest point in this trajectory of what we call life? And what would you describe as probably what people would deem the most challenging point to where in, you've got to in my art in my art in uh, your art world? Yeah. Most challenging has it been overcoming. You know, it it could mean like a personal influence, whereby you've had to overcome challenges of people's view of you and or non-belief of of your vision. It could be, it could be a physical challenge or like trying to to get this yeah. going. I think the belief that was not never a challenge. I can see that the people around me who work with me in the in the art business because it's a massive business side to it as well. Yes. Um, my wife, my assistant. Um, the new department of sculptures. Um, there is a lot of belief in that, and they, the people get the um, they get the inspiration and get uh, with time. Obviously, there's people that are coming and going because there's not an understanding, or it's not always um, it's not always that they see the vision. Yes, um, not quite aligned. Yeah, not quite aligned. Yes, very well said, but. Um, that is not a problem. That is quite cool. That is the trust also of the people, and that they actually, um, yeah, that they actually see the vision and are able to contribute, mm-hmm. um, which is amazing. The challenge-wise, I would say, what's what's challenging um, for me? Good question. There, there is a couple of things. Surely it hasn't just been plain sailing. <laughs> no, uh, no, that's for sure not. Um, there's a lot of um, mistakes and um, small issues and problems that that uh, come with the business side as well as the creating side. You try to always bigger, um, more evolving. So the sculptures became very big. The canvases became bigger. It's um, obviously... Um, Challenging to sometimes sell a big work, sometimes to create a big work. Um, yeah, and yeah. What's what was challenging for me in the last couple of years? Um, I cha- don't know. Have, have, they, have they taken a sculpture somewhere and it fallen over and broken? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. The, the, the stress behind repairs or the stress behind logistical uh, incidents, or um, sometimes something just falls over in the studio and you have to repair it from scratch, um, or um, I, I work very well under pressure, okay. um, which is not good for work-life balance. Mm. But you have to. I have to also adjust there. And um, challenging was to be able to give my work into other people's hands, assistants, um, designers, uh, paint department, sculpture welding department, um, and as I said before, them to see the vision and kind of try to. Um, Thing emulate is the right uh, word, yes. and to to see what my vision is with not too many corrections. Gotcha. Um, and w- your level of expectancy by way of quality. Yeah, that that that's a challenge I think for most of the people who work with me. Yes. Um, because I'm, I would say in my work I'm quite a perfectionist, um, and I rather go the extra mile. If even if the extra mile means two weeks more work and 14, 16, 18 hour days. Um, which I had now a couple of those. Um, that ch- challenging is then 
going home at three o'clock in the morning and waking up at six. Wow. So that doesn't happen anymore so often because I also get older and I have kids, but it still happens. Three hours sleep. Yeah. Sometimes the, 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 the worst, my, my, my wife used to just put food into the um, studio and I was up for two or three nights, two or three days. I was packing, like packing 25 works. It's not like two hours. That's with finishing touches. You know, ah, oh, there's a, a little, yes. uh, there's a little mistake here. Oh, I oversprayed the frame here. I need to sand. Like there's a lot of different uh, things that can happen even when you're um, tired and even if you do it for years. But this is the challenge that I love. Like, mm. uh, But also very important to find good assistant, assistance Uh, in all aspects, mm -hmm. from business side to uh, uh, the creative, the crea creation side, it's very important to was very important for me to to give this into other hands, trust, and um, um, find people who understand the vision. Got you. Yeah, it's uh, that's the behind the scenes stuff that people don't see and understand, but it's clearly evident in your work uh, that it's of such a high quality. Thank you. Um, Yeah, really cool. I invite everyone. We have a lot of street art tours. That's why I'm saying that because the street art tours, um, they're bringing people from all over the world into the studio. And especially when people know the work, sometimes from Instagram or from wherever, mm -hmm. they're getting a little bit of a little um, insight behind how something is created and how long it takes to create one work or what the process is. Uh, yeah. is uh, sometimes... Um, I would say uh, sometimes quite eye-opening, eye-opening, yeah. eye-opening yeah. um, to to see all the effort. Yeah, exactly, and uh, that's why it's good to talk about this stuff because people just see pretty pictures. Yeah. They don't understand the blood, the sweat, the tears, um, you know, that goes into yeah. into your work. So well done, thank well you. Well done to where you've got. It's great. So where to now? We've got some exhibitions coming up. Um, Would you like to talk about where they're happening? Yeah, um, it's a pleasure. So um, the next exhibition is um, like a solo exhibition at um, the new Johannesburg Latitudes Art Fair, mm -hmm. end of May, 24th of May, beginning. Um, straight after that, week and a half later, is a big solo exhibition in, at the Macadam Gallery in Brussels, in Belgium, where we're also going um, with the family um, to, to be there and be present. Um Then a small holiday because it's very much needed. And and um, we already started production for a third solo show, which is in November at the Everett Reed Gallery in London, uh, which we currently we have in the studio around, I would say, 40, 45 works going on at the same time. Because I, I work always at the 10, 12 works at the same time, just for drying purposes. Yes. Um, just also for efficiency. Yeah. Um, yeah, but um, so far, yeah. Um, I think there's also the art fair in um, another art fair in Joburg in September, and then art fair in um, February in Cape Town 2024, and another solo exhibition in November in 2024. Wow! So I'm, I'm I, I love being kind of um, have a schedule and be and normally it's a one and a half to two years in advance that I have certain things set. They shuffle and change around, but mm. most of the time it's. Yeah, it's, it's like one of those uh, fine dining restaurants that is booked up for the next two years. <laughs> <laughs> the artist version of <laughs> you've got it mapped out. It's fantastic. So what we'll do is we'll put all the we'll 
So what we'll do is we'll put all the dates down below with yeah. all the different locations. And if you're in one of those cities and you'd like to go and see Anjay's work, please do so. And uh, the links to the socials are going to be down there to your website and go and show him some love. Thanks. Um, you're also a keen MMA, is it grappling? Yeah, I do a lot of grappling, yes. Grappling. Yeah. Explain to those that don't know what grappling is, because I, I dare say a large uh, percentage of our viewership are going to be people who enjoy fine art and art yeah. and contemporary art and probably don't spend too much time grappling. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a lot of people that do that, uh, but it's a fairly new sport. Okay. Um, is it a version of wrestling? It's like, it's like Brazilian jiu-jitsu that I do a lot. In the old days, I used to do a lot of the Thai boxing, boxing and MMA. Um, Thai boxing, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, <laughs> boxing, what else? MMA and now grappling. You want to add anything to that? Judo, no, black, karate? No, no, no. None of that. <laughs> okay. No. Rollerblader, artist. Do you cook? Are you your chef? <laughs> no, I, I like to cook, but I don't have any more time. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> she, bro, you, you were certainly blessed with uh, some, some skill set there. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a great for uh, some balance. Yes. It's a great sport. Yes. Uh, it's great for uh, community, the people that you meet, yes. uh, people from all kinds of different backgrounds, from like literally from uh, lawyers to professional rugby players to uh, surfers. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of uh, professional surfers who uh, do their training as well, and the fitness side and also the grappling. Um, all kinds of people, really, yeah. really, from uh, young to, to old. So, mm. um, Jiu-Jitsu, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, um, it's the version with the, with the gi, with the kimono, and grappling, you call it, when you have uh, like a rush guard slash very um, um, yeah, tight close that you can't grab. Okay. Um, where it's like basically a submission game that, you, that you're playing. Yes. And there's a lot of people who are in the 60s, 70s that are still doing that. Wow. Like really, so it's a sport that is very taxing, but it's very rewarding because you learn. And it's also one of the only... Um, 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 fight sports where you have um, where you can as a for example 70 kilogram person beat someone who's 100 kilogram and stronger oh, wow. than you okay that's a lot of technical tactical aspect tactical game tactical technical uh, a lot psychological of, uh, yeah a big a lot of those aspects and it's also very um, good for the brain awesome. the, the link through here is is I suppose you know, uh, when we look at counterculture, skating, surfing, there's a strong connect to expression, art, uh, creativity in different forms. And a couple of years, a few years ago, um, Anjay actually did one of the Wavescape artboards. Yeah. What year was that? Do you remember? I'm I think well. 2018. Okay. Something like that. 2007, maybe 2017 actually. Yeah. Yes. So he was part of the Wavescape Festival. Did you enjoy that process? Yes, very much. Yeah much it's a surfboard in itself is a sculpture already so it is a, it is i would say quite a difficult um, um form and shape to paint on because it's already so unique in its on its on and its own mm. um so it, it's it is quite a i would say privilege to all the board shapers to be able to add something yes. you know that is maybe not figurative and that was the most difficult thing for me that because geometrics on something that has already a kind of long side to yes. it and the, and, the, and the form and curvature and curvature so more yeah. of an organic yeah. to it yeah. right 
I don't know why this comes up now, but it comes up. My uncle uh, was one of the very first people in Poland that produced snowboards. Wow. So we just got handed uh, some with my father and we just tried them out with like really old bindings and like one of them was made out of hemp. The other one was like very, um, but very, very cool. Uh, we still have them. We're talking here like 1995. Wow. Like something like that, 1990, yeah, 1994. I was like 10, 11, something like that. Uh, so first snowboard experience. Uh, very, very big. Um, very, very cool. Yeah. What else? At the same time, we started to like swap over to some more, uh, or not the same time, three, four years later, Solomon started to also develop uh, things around the 2000s. And we started to like, um, um, I well, used to be sponsored by Solomon rollerblading. So we really like the kind of equipment and we started to like uh, get, ourselves, get ourselves with my father some snow, um, Salomon snowboards. At the same time, so I was windsurfing a lot um, in the old days in Poland. So my the relationship between fight sports and art or graffiti was um, in the early 2000s, late 90s, um, that, that scene was quite violent. There's a lot of like... Uh, Gang mentality. Mm-hmm. It's very common that you had fights with other people. Or, like fight club vibes. I wouldn't say fight club. No. Uh, I would say just you, because you you when you do trains, you are in a kind of like a particular level. Yes. It's a, it's a lot of scouting, a lot of looking what's happening. It's very kind of like, it's a cr- quite criminal mindset to it. Um, father used to say always, it's better, better prepared than a really good bank robbery. So you have like a lot of... Um, different aspects that you have where your preparation goes in it's not just graffiti as I said it's like um, surveillance you have yes. to like, there's a lot of technological stuff that, uh, that you have to be good in knowing where you're going what tunnel etc and then you meet other people that are not happy to see you there uh, okay. and we're not talking about even about the vandal squad or the people or the securities we're talking about other graffiti crews yeah um, yeah who think that you're better that they're better or yeah. You shouldn't be there, so and that's where the kind of conflict. Where the conflict comes in, and then that's why the fight sport was uh, quite a big thing. Mm. Uh, and that's when you come to the art world. When you when you speak about the art world, not everyone kind of understands that. Why is this even uh, of value to the conversation? For me, it doesn't have to be in. As I said, don't don't, no, don't put I it. I mean, in. it's it, it's just it's just that it's. Um, not everything in this world is just pretty and, and just chilled and comes out of a, a spark that is, ah, like, I say, um, the intention behind graffiti in those times was not always just create beautiful, beautiful Yeah, it wasn't stuff. about beautification. Yeah, it wasn't it, like we talk about murals and yeah, some, uplifting things. Yes. We're, talking about, we're talking about energy born of frustration. Sometimes it's also not in my case, but uh, political yes. Uh, yes. orientation, or sometimes it's uh, um, just the act of uh, demonstrating or um, being better than someone else who has a different, similar style, and being able. So th- there, where, where the culture of battle comes in in, in hip hop, mm. uh, which is very dear to me, because you used to either go onto a wall and paint it against each other. And then some other people judge it, or you break dance, or you uh, MC against each other, mm-hmm. or a DJ, whatever it is. Um, and that became, especially in Berlin at the time, it was quite a, r- a rough uh, 
surrounding. Yeah. Uh, people We're talking like what, early 90s, late 80s? Yeah. So yeah, so there's one or two generations before me, for sure. Uh, big respect to them. Uh, because they kind of uh, laid the foundation, especially when it comes to balloon, balloon graffiti. Yeah. But I would say I'm like in second, third generation. Got you. Um, and we're talking here like late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. Yeah. All right. Like 23 uh, years ago. Uh, yeah. yeah. 25. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, that was where it started for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 90s, yeah. I was like, was uh, 16, 17, something like that. Cool. And um, that's very... When people know my character a bit better, or me, that mm -hmm. they they and they hear that kind of story, they understand it a little bit better. Why certain things are the way they are. Mm -hmm. Join the dots. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, when you start to sit and listen to your journey and the influences and what you've been through, um, you start to look at one of your works and 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 see energy, like explosive energy. Um, and and like bursting out and like like you say you can see the the grappling of the shapes within your artwork yeah. and that that pushing against each other and trying to um in a harmonious way compete yeah. for space at the same time do you have those aspects the graffiti and the fight sports and all of that but you have at the same time Andre who did, for example, um, a bachelor in photography and communication design and uh, was always very interested in... That's all right. It should be okay. It was always the Andre that was always interested in um, all kinds of nuances of histor historically important fine artists from uh, Van Gogh to... Um, Matisse. Matisse, Mondrian, um, to people who are still alive and big influences like Frank Stella yeah. or Imi Knöbel to my work. And then at some point, the depiction of from graffiti, a color, normal letters to just the interest in paint and paint uh, uh, color arrangements, mm. color feed and taking this uh, away. I think that um, the fact that I at some point said to myself, because I used to do graffiti, but at the, at the same time I used to do landscapes or portraits or, or photographs or whatever it was, I did product design, I created a shoe, built my shoe, built my own thing. Um, There's no end to this man's <laughs> achievements. <laughs> I feel like I've got a lifetime of uh, of grappling with <laughs> with, with uh, skills to get to your level. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. I, I, I think creativity is in everyone. So there's yeah. a lot of things. Just the, the 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 difficult thing sometimes is to find the right uh, things that interest you and. Um, and then give you also a bit of an outlet mm, mm. Um, and then connecting with some of them or have the breaks and doing something else but still staying focused on the, the main thing uh, um, can be sometimes uh, challenging. challenging. So who's your biggest influences would you say if you were to pick three three artists that like have really shaped your journey? I mean I look at some of this and I see Les Demoiselles du Avignon by oh. Picasso um, uh, but yeah, you tell me. I, I think the first th two, three that pop into my head, definitely Frank Stella, American artist. Yes. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Who else? Uh, definitely Picasso in certain stages. Uh, really, um, Not because of the cubism, just sometimes it's... Um, in his... In his um, in, in his case, I would say it's um, the, the color schemes mm -hmm. um, and also the prof uh, professionalism 
um, the amount of work that he done. Um, obviously, cubism, also great out movement. Uh, but I think that Brack was also a very important, um, um, yeah, motivator. A motivator artist that didn't get enough credit there. Um, but Imi Knöbel, one of the um, artists that I also really look up to, um, um, Rothko. Rothko, yeah. Uh, beautiful, unbelievable. It comes to capturing the the feeling of of color mm -hmm. next to each other. That's something that I also Mark Rothko. Mark Rothko, yeah. Um, South African artist um, uh, Trevor Coleman. Mm -hmm. um, don't know if you know him. Have you heard Not about him? Not personally, but I know yeah, his, his work. work. Amazing work. I met him twice. Very, very, um, really, really big honor. Um, went to one of his exhibitions in Stellenbosch. Um, who else? I must say, uh, uh, when it comes to um, the aspects of developing art to another level, when it comes production-wise, I really um, love Sarah Morris um, and um, it's a lot of artists actually. Um, um, <laughs> I'm trying to think about her name now. Okay. Um, Take your time. We've got time. Katarina Grosse. Okay. Yeah, unbelievable. Really? Unbelievable. Like, it's, as you see... Nationality? I think she's German. Yeah. Yeah, of course, Katarina Grosse, yeah. Brilliant. Uh, has a studio in Berlin. Very, very beautiful studio. Never been inside. I just saw a documentary um, and the outside. Um, yeah, I, I like I like also artists like Damon Hurst or Jeff Koons. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, it's been an absolute treat and an honor to get to chat to you. Absolute pleasure. Thank Andrew, you for your time. Uh, Urbanski is his handle. Links below right now. So go and hit him up on Instagram. Check out his work. Explore. Get lost in his works. And this conversation will add context and hopefully open up uh, one's mind to what we're looking at and the expression of everything that you're trying to convey through your art will hopefully become clearer for the viewer after this conversation. Oh. Thank you very, very much. It's been an honor. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time, uh, for coming all the way. You're welcome. From Neisner. And um, yeah, thank you for the interest. Yeah. Okay. And hopefully see some of the viewers at uh, one of the new next shows. Uh, all the shows at the galleries are down below. Yeah. Ne next show uh, in Brussels, um, Oh, the works have been shown um, under the title Monochromacy. Okay. Um, yeah. Most Monochromacy. Of the works, yeah. There we go. Shred.